Hey, give the Lord a big round of the hand, a round of applause. It's Him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we give you all the praise. We want to hear from you. God, we admit our hearts can grow weary. We can grow fatigued. We can grow hard-hearted. We just ask that you'd pour your love and show us your joyful, peaceful, intended purpose for all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as you're being seated, reach out to someone you're seated close to and say, great to sit next to you. Great to sit next to you. I'm so lucky I get to sit next to you. Hey, welcome. If you're visiting, I'm Scott. I'm one of the pastors at Adventure. And today we begin our new series called Seven Words. Seven words that can change your life. Today's word uh, I'll introduce here in a moment. This month is our 14th anniversary month, and we are celebrating by having some special artists here. Next weekend, Darnisha Taylor from Real Life Church will be leading worship. She's amazing. And President Emeritus of William Jessup University, Bryce Jessup, one of the most enduring leaders I've ever met in Northern California, will be here teaching on the word serve. Um, On the 22nd, after our serve day in South Sac in a couple weeks, on the 14th, on the 22nd, Lauren and Rochelle Dittmore will be here leading worship. And then at the end of the month, the founding pastor of Adventure of Roseville, who started the church with a card table out front of Walmart off Stanford Ranch Road, will be here teaching on uh, October the 31st. So just mark your calendar. There's some special opportunities this month. Well, this day, we're going to talk about today, now. What's going on now, right now? We're not thinking about tomorrow. We're not thinking about yesterday. Today, we're talking about now. And the question we're going to talk about is bringing hope now. But how many of you are like me? You're like, hey, you know, let's just do it tomorrow. Can we, can we just do it tomorrow? There's a Spanish proverb that says the busiest day of the week is always tomorrow. Tomorrow. I don't want to do this tomorrow. And recently, seven, rather nine million viewers have discovered this TED Talk on procrastination done by Tim Urban. How many of you have seen this? Here we go. We got one. Here it is. His, his talk begins with a mutual understanding that we all have assignments we get in high school or college, an English comp paper in high school, or a, uh, um, a college uh, essay in world history, or maybe it's your thesis. And we start off as rational thinking people, thinking, hey, we're going to start and we're going to take a nab at it the first six weeks, and then the second six weeks, we'll do a little bit more, and those last six weeks, we'll start working really hard, and we'll get this thing nailed, we'll, we'll do great, we'll get the A that we imagined, because we're rational thinking people. And then a little time passes, that first six weeks, we're like, you know what, I need to kind of step up a notch. For some reason, I, I wasn't able to keep that plan that I had in mind, and so I need to step it up a notch, and and uh, increase this, this next six weeks and, and start. And then those last six, I'll really pick it up. And then things start moving forward. And, uh, you know, maybe you meet a girlfriend or boyfriend or you get real interested in some sort of, you know, extracurricular activity, something noble, underwater basket weaving. You get all excited about it. And uh, all of a sudden, you've got a couple days left before this paper is due, Right. And you're like, okay, it's time to get to work, right? And how, why does this happen? Because there's a gift that we all have in our lives. And that gift is called the panic monster. How many of you know the panic monster? 
He comes into our lives and says, let's do this now, because if we don't get it now, we're going to be in real trouble. And Tim Urban offers a little uh, insight into pictures of our brain. Here are his highly uh, intelligent insights into our brain. So we're all rational decision makers. We say, hey, I do things that make sense. I think long term. I'm not a child, okay? I'm an adult. I get stuff done on time. I don't wait till the last minute. Now turn to your neighbor and tell them, I don't wait till the last minute. Right. How many of you just lied in church? (laughs) You just committed a lie. All right, okay, here we go. So what we all struggle with, universally, everyone struggles with procrastination, if you don't mind that generalization. What we all struggle with is what we call the instant gratification monkey. Did, did someone finish and Tim Urban comes to us and says, hey, have you, are there still Doritos in the pantry? Hey, did, did someone finish the pizza? In the, are, there, are there any Oreo cookies left? You know what? I haven't Google Earthed India in a while. I think I'm going to do that just for a few minutes. Or let's YouTube some commercials. Or hey, you know what? I feel like I need to move a little bit. Let's go to the store. And we get you know, derailed very quickly. Now, some of you, if you're like me, you need to get up and move around a little bit, so I can make that excuse. But we have this instant gratification monkey that we enjoy so much, we just give him the wheel. Why don't you just take over? Because you're good. You're always available. You're always ready to go to work, so you're good. So we give our instant gratification monkey the wheel, and then we experience the dark playground. And the dark playground, according to Tim, according to Tim Urban, is life of anxiety, uh, a life of what ifs, worst case scenario. You're always thinking, oh, this is going to get worse. This is gonna, couldn't get worse. How am I going to do this? And you spend your whole semester just doing that, right? Thinking like, I know none of you. you are, this is, doesn't apply to you guys. But for me, it's that way. And the problem is, is that we're not willing to do the hard things consistently, regularly, and, and live in the now. We're always about just do it tomorrow, tomorrow, right? But doing the hard things means do it now, right now. Now's our word today, now, now. In our children's ministry featured this uh, picture uh, to help remind parents of how important now is because these, there are 936 marbles in this jar. That each marble represents a week in the life of your newborn child from, from his or her birth until he or she graduates from high school. When a child is born, you have 932 quick. You got to live before they graduate from high school. It's quick. <laughs> it's quick. You got to live in the now. There's a, Tim Irvin offers another spreadsheet of if should you live until you're 90, he offers a top column of weeks and then a top row of weeks and then 90, uh, 90 rows of years, and I think you get it. It's overwhelming. It's like I'm more than halfway through this. I got to live in the now. Quit saying there's going to be a tomorrow. Here's the thing I can tell you. We can't promise one another tomorrow. There's no promise for tomorrow. You cannot, you don't have any assurance that you're going to be here tomorrow. I don't. But we do have, right? We got now. Turn to your neighbor and say, we got now. But there ain't no tomorrow yet. We're not promised tomorrow. How do we live in the now? How would Jesus tell us to live in the now? I hope he speaks. What he has to say is what's critical. Follow follow with me as we listen to what his brother said about the now, his brother James, who became a follower of his brother, a Christian, later in life. He wasn't living in the now when his brother was changing Israel. Read this with me. When I get to the red, you read. Now listen, you who say, today 
or tomorrow. We will go to this or that city. We'll spend a year there and carry on business, and we will make, you can cheat on this one, money. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Do any of you know what's going to happen tomorrow? No, not for sure. I know, I know we, we got to go to work, and right? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. One, one of the most dangerous words in the Bible is, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough in of itself. So, one of the co-workers of Jesus wrote this. So, Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts like you did in the wilderness. Because when you harden your hearts... The wilderness lasts longer than it was intended to. Humility, class 101, lasts longer than it's intended to. Open your heart. And you have control over your heart. God gives you that control. You can let God harden your heart like the sun hardens clay, or you can let God soften your heart like the sun melts wax. You have that choice. Make a decision today not to harden your heart. Now, the enemies of today are indecision. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Back and forth, back and forth, can't make a decision. I think when shopping for clothes, that's okay. Perfectionism. This is, unless the weather is perfect, I'm not going to sow seed. And there's a proverb that says, if you're waiting for perfect weather, you're never going to sow seed. Go when it's time. Fear. The fear of man is a trap. Don't let fear get in your way. Laziness. Lazy people are full of want. They always talk about their visions and dreams, but they never get to work on them. Or aversion to commitment or overcommitment. These are the enemies of today. What do you suppose these golfers are saying to themselves here? Hey, man, do you think we can finish the back nine? Maybe. We probably need to play ready golf, though. We need to get moving. We put off decisions, right? Or how about, hey, did you see my ball? It's out of bounds. I can't find it. Oh, why don't you let this one go and take a mulligan? But we t- this is an or- actual image from an organ fire. We tend to put off the now, don't we? Squeeze in all we can. Get all we can out of whatever we're in. And put off maybe an important decision. How do we live in the now? Here it is. Embrace three spiritual concepts. I'll try to go through these quickly. The first step is live for Christ today. Today. I don't have tomorrow. I have today. One of Jesus' co-workers said it this way, and read it with me when I get to that point. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by in the Son of God, who and gave for me. That cross, he gave himself for me, so I would give myself for him. How do we live in the now? We live a life of other-centeredness. We live a life where we put others first. We live a life where we, don't, we try not to think about ourselves all the time. We just put others first. When's the last time you asked your neighbor, hey, you need a favor? Or you made yourself available to a friend? Or you, just, you were able to forgive someone and move on? That's the crucified life. That's the life of self-denial. It's so easy to, to, to be so self-absorbed. And Jesus is saying, hey, you want real peace and joy? Stop thinking about yourselves. Put others first. It's a mental mindset. It's the mindset of our Puritan forefathers, actually, who 
didn't have Facebook. I don't know how they survived. But they're, they're, they're service-oriented. That kind of mindset's the way to be. Other-centered, man. It's, it's good living, just like Christ was focused on us. If you've never made a decision to accept Jesus' other-centeredness towards you, where he allowed himself to suffer a barbaric death that would serve as a substitution of payment so you could have for the penalty of your selfishness so you could have a relationship with him if you've never done that be ready make it make the decision today live a crucified life this sweet gal Lindsay Ladd and her beautiful children and mother gave me permission to share this story some of her favorite verses come from Ecclesiastes uh, there's a time to be born a time to mourn a time to dance she talks about Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. This is how she describes her upbringing. She gave me permission to share the story. Elementary middle school, I was bullied because I was heavy and I was a nerd. At age 15, I got pregnant. As a junior in high school, I was a young mom. At age 17, I graduated from high school. I got uh, an offer to go to an art school in L.A. My dad told me, Art, what are you going to do with that? So I dropped out. Age 17, I was on welfare, single, young mom with two part-time jobs and attending city college. From age 18 to 20, I stopped going to college. I got a full-time job with a newspaper that doubled my income, became a born-again Christian. That's, that's the crucified life where you, you put others first, you put God first. She got that to be a part of her life. Do you have it? She was laid off because of company downsizing at age 21 from 9-11. She had to move back in with her mom. She filed for bankruptcy, experienced depression on and off again. Her boyfriend of 11 years left her for somebody else that she, he had only known for two, two months and married her. Age 26, got a great flexible job that allowed her to go to college from 6 to 10 p.m. weekly. Age 29, she faced a legal and medical-related problem that made what seemed an impossible outcome possible. God was in it. Age 30, she graduated from college. Age 32, she has a beautiful baby girl. Age 34 to 37, she moved from Southern Cal to Northern Cal with family. Homesick and depressed, she missed her family and friends, stopped attending church. Age 38, her dad left the family unexpectedly. She felt suicidal, depressed, lonely, but through God's grace... How do we get through? By God's grace. The divine connections and support of my family and friends, I started to heal. My daughter did not show any effects of the separation, and she showed love like no one else. Even her kindergarten teacher said that she'd been uh, caught uh, asking another student if the student would like to pray, because the student was if you follow age 39 I was baptized my daughter was dedicated and I'm happy and healthy if you follow her on Facebook she's real fun she works out hard she's like real disciplined it's really fun to follow I've worked for the same company for 15 years and I've met many people that have blessed me and I can return the favor and share God's grace daily I will flourish Lindsay is living for Christ today She's forgetting what happened in the past. She's living for Christ today, and her family is flourishing. Are, are you stuck in the past? Are you stuck in your mistakes? Paul's co-worker said, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives for, 
Christ who lives in me. How do you do this? How do we live for Christ today? How does this really happen? You take up your cross, you deny yourself, and you follow Jesus. And by grace, you do the hard things today. You do the hard things today. Whatever it is, you, you, you got 10 things to do today, or maybe, maybe 100 if you're a mom, and you pick out, what are the hard things? What's the most important thing I do today? Maybe it's this, when this service is over, you stay seated for five or 10 minutes and have a little prayer time that no one's letting you have. You do the most important thing, the hardest thing today. You obey God and you let God deal with the fallout. Obeying is always less fatiguing than delay. Maybe some of you have been delaying Christian baptism. We're going to have a class offered here in a couple weeks. Maybe you never made a decision to be baptized. It was a decision your parents made for you. And you know what I see a trend in? I've seen parents do this. They say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to wait to be baptized till my kids want to be baptized. Boy, is that, is that the kind of leadership children are looking for these days? No, I've seen a family do that, and you know what happened? That parent stopped going to church. He was never baptized. And so his kids, it's not that they're not even, it's not that they're not being baptized. His kids aren't even going to church. How come? He's, he's looking to his children to provide him direction. No, did you hear that? The parent is looking to his child to provide him direction and leadership. You know what? I think parents need to lead. You need to lead, be the example, and your children will follow. You let your kids be the example? That's called child-centered parenting. They will, they will deal with that for the rest of their life. Lead. If you haven't been baptized, let's do it today. Sign up on your Connect card. Say, I'm ready today. Don't wait for everyone to approve of what you're doing. Make the decision today. Step two of living in the now. Live in community. I love this one because it's all about relationships. It's about being with people. It's fun. This week, I had a chance to have lunch at a different place that I normally don't eat at. I actually went to the wrong restaurant. I was looking for Jim Boys, and I found Pollo Loco, and I got there at Pollo Loco. I wanted one of those good salads, and I got there, and there was a guy there, and I said, hey, you want lunch? He goes, yeah, and then I realized I was at the wrong restaurant, so I started to walk out, but he came in to eat with me, and I said, come on, we'll have lunch together, and we sat down. We're having a good time together, and then he said, you know what? I just, I need a job. I'm tired of robbing people, and I'm like, Honestly, I got kind of nervous. I'm like, bro, I'm, try I'm trying to enjoy my lunch. <laughs> Can I enjoy my lunch here? Or, or, or you got something under the table I need to see? I'm like, it freaked me out. And I'm like, well, let's get you a job now. And we talked about it a little bit. But you know what? Being with people is where it's at. It's where it's at. The early church believed this big time. All the believers were together. By the way, that was Pollo Loco. I was looking for gym boys, but... You go to Pollo Loco, he'll, he'll be there. You can have lunch with him. <laughs> Come with uh, cash. All the believers were together, and they had... Oh, you got to read this with me. This is the early church, okay? This is, this is after Christ resurrected. This is what the early church was like. This is what adventure is like, and I wanted to continue to become like. All the believers were... Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. No Netflix. No... Oh, my gosh. They were together and had... They sold property and possessions to give to every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's Jerusalem. They and they had their dinners together. They didn't eat alone. Are you like me? I don't like eating alone. If I go to a restaurant, I don't want to eat alone. So you find someone. It can be a little, you got to be careful. 
You know, <laughs> but you'd find someone, right? I think guys with guys, girls with girls is good. It's safe. With glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the... Here's the deal. When God's blessing His people, most people like them. They're favorable. They're salty. They're fun. And the Lord, to their number, those who are being saved. How do you do this? How do you live this life in community? Here's what you do. You, oh, one more verse. Encourage one another and just as, in fact, you are doing. And so one reason you might not be in community is because your gift isn't to encourage one another and build each other up. You're kind of in the demo, demo work. Your job, you feel like you have a special calling of, you know, being critical of others. Yeah. So for some reason, you don't have a lot of friends. Isn't that weird? How does that happen? I don't know. But if you'll get out of the demo work and follow Jesus and building others up, you'll have more friends you can shake a stick at. How do we live in community now? Circle up. Get in a group. You'll have an opportunity today. If you have a Connect card, just check the box off. Put me in a group. You don't have to stay in the group forever. Stay in for six weeks and bounce out. But get in a group with Christians. Get in a group with Christians who, Christians who are learning and living in a way that inspires you. And they're here. There are some incredible Christ followers here that are humble. We don't, none of us have it together. We have a church slogan called, no perfect people allowed. That means if you think you got it all together, you won't like us and we won't like you. Find a place where they're perfect. Okay? All right. How do we get in community? We circle up. We get in groups. Lastly, step three. This is how to live in now. Live with compassion right now. Be empathetic. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you think about that, loving your neighbor as yourself, I don't know about you, do you love yourself? Do you think about yourself a lot? No? If you do it a lot, you think, if I were to give all that energy that I give towards myself to somebody else, I would really be loving them a lot. Do it. Live with compassion. Be empathetic. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do it right now. What did Jesus say? Go right now. Into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, and the blind, and the lame. Do it. And some of you might say, well, I don't feel like doing it. Well, does that say, hey, go out quickly, parenthetical note, if your feelings motivate you. (laughs) If you don't want to watch such and such this afternoon. No, it's go, do it. Put people first. Put people first before everything. Because they're going to last. How do we live with compassion? Right now? Well, in a couple weeks on a Saturday in South Sac with Lauren and Michelle Dittmore, we're opportunity coming up in uh, Through Adventure where we've been, we've been connected with uh, an organization called Compassion Village. Our Compassion 365 has introduced this uh, to us. And it's where Sacramento County has approved the construction and development of 20 portable houses on a church campus off Norwood and Grove Street, and for $7,500, we can buy the materials, and we could build our own portable homes in our warehouse here and provide housing for single homeless people, and uh, we think, I believe, that at Adventure, we have a lot of people that not only, wouldn't want, not only would want to give to that, but would actually like to put their hands on that wood and lumber and 
build these homes. And so we've put on our website, if you go to our website, uh, our, uh, our push pay, you'll see a little link if you want to start you know, giving to that. A little extra, we encourage you to do it because we think that's our job. At least if I read that clearly, what did he say? Maybe, maybe I'm misinterpreting. What did he say? Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring the who? You can read this. The, 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 and the, yeah. That's who Jesus thinks is important. By the way, little factoid, whatever gets spontaneous applause in a church is considered a value. That's a value for us, people, people that have need. I want to end with this uh, great story. It's based on a film that was released this summer called Dunkirk. Incredible, incredible event happened in 1940. In May of 1940, there were 370,000 English Tommies, and uh, actually 300,000 English Tommies and 70,000 French police or Poilus, uh, military infantrymen that were stuck on the beaches of this 16th century beach resort town, Dunkirk, just south of Belgium on the French shore, 40 miles across the English Channel, completely isolated and vulnerable to a three- or four-prong surrounding attack flank by the German Nazi military. They were getting bombed by the German Air Force and totally vulnerable. English, the English uh, um, Navy was not getting access to Dunkirk because the water was so shallow. It was as shallow as 15 feet, and they couldn't get any closer than a half mile in. So soldiers would actually have to walk out a half mile uh, or less, you know, waist deep waiting to get saved because they were simultaneously being bombed. If you haven't seen this Ridley Scott film, it's a good reminder of harsh times on our planet. Uh, and while these guys are waiting, Winston Churchill uh, put into action what was called Operation Dynamo. And Operation Dynamo was that last alternative on how to get these sailors home. He told King George... Uh, His Majesty uh, George, that they hoped of the 370,000 that they would get to bring home 30,000 soldiers. The rest wouldn't make it. World War II. We forget this era. (laughs) And uh, Operation Dynamo, on the first day, they brought home 7,000 troops. They had some uh, 300 personally owned yachts, schooners, fishing boats. There were some minesweepers. I mean, folks were coming out with their rowboats, crossing the English Channel, which wasn't easy. There was only about a 15-mile lane by which they could cross because Nazi Germany had put so many mines in the English Channel that any boats that veered off of that 15-mile lane from Dover to Dunkirk would blow up and everyone on the ship would sink and the water was too cold to survive in. And uh, so day one, they brought home 7,000 troops. Volunteers, this is the kind of volunteerism we see in Houston. In fact, we had a young boy in first service who's going there uh, this week, kind of volunteerism we see in Florida and in the Caribbean. But uh, after day one, the numbers started going up to 8,000 and 9,000. And by about day 10, they were bringing as many in a day. They've gone from 300 personal yachts to 900. 
900 yachts of volunteers who on one day brought as many as 60,000 infantrymen across. And many of them didn't make it because they were getting bombed simultaneously. And uh, when all was said and done, because of the volunteer workers that came together for Englishmen and Frenchmen, of the 370,000, they brought 338,000 home. Home. How does that happen? It's empathy. It's compassion. It's putting others first. It's living the crucified life. It's living for Christ today. It's, it's, it's living in community with each other. It's showing compassion today. Compassion is just that extra ounce of mercy that Jesus gives you for somebody to know what it's like to, to live that life. Or maybe not even you can't relate, but you feel for them. That's, that's what God wants you to do today. So, so what's keeping you from doing that? Some of us, I think, what we prioritize, what we work hard at, None of us, I don't think, need to work hard at work. We work plenty hard at work. But we don't work hard sometimes at setting aside family time. We don't work hard at prioritizing time to be with our kids. Not saying everyone, but the temptation is to get so stressed out Monday through Saturday that we don't take time for a date night once a quarter. (laughs) (laughs) Or we don't take time to get away on a weekend together just with our spouse. We'll do it with the family, but that ain't as fun. Just with our spouse. Or if you're single with a girlfriend. <laughs> or if you're a single guy with a guy friend, just to get away and do something fun, like race luxury cars or something like that. <laughs> or maybe just a Hertz rental car. Whatever you can afford. <laughs> we don't get into community, honestly, because... We're afraid of relationships. We might hear something we don't want to hear. And so we get in community with people that tell us what we want to hear. It's not always healthy. And then finally, we don't show compassion sometimes because we need so much compassion. You ever feel like? I don't have, I'm the one that needs compassion. <laughs> in fact, I heard a story this week at, a, at an event. It was a great story. Um, gal in our services who's in here now shared with me that during the worship service, she sometimes just really cries. And she said, I cry because uh, God's blessing me so much. And one of our prayer workers came up to her and said, hey, can I pray for you? She said, sure, but I got to tell you, I'm not, I don't really need, I'm doing really well. I'm just feeling so blessed. And that prayer worker said, huh, maybe you'd pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> We, we want to give compassion, but isn't it true sometimes we're the ones that are like, ah, ah, I need to be rescued, <laughs> okay? So part of that compassion you'll experience is blessed are those who uh, show mercy. When you show mercy, get mercy. It's good. So what's your next step today? What are you going to do today? How is the Holy Spirit saying, hey, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Deal with it. Obeying, obey God and let him deal with the fallout. Let him deal with it.
Don't you deal with it. 